Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with a very good friend of mine and friend to the podcast, Laura Davis, and we're talking about trust, which I had a lot of fun doing in her new house. She's just moved house, so I went over to help her uh, pack by sitting there watching her, and uh, then we talked about trust, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Thank you, everybody, who's been emailing me. Uh, if you want to email me, alicerfraser at gmail.com is the place to do it and you can tweet me on at alliterative if you want to have the conversation in a sort of a semi-public forum i don't know i'm not going to aggress you on email or anything but that's also a way of doing things if you want to do that thank you everybody who's been supporting the patreon uh a lot of people decided to give me a christmas present and that was glorious um really kind really really kind so thank you for doing that it means i can buy tea for my guests and it means that I can host the podcast. And that that basically is the only thing I want to do with my life, <laughs> is have tea with interesting people and, and talk about good ideas with good people all around the world. If you are in Perth, um, I have the last, I think, Australian run of Savage will be in Perth from the 27th to the 31st of January. Uh, then I will be doing The Resistance in Adelaide from the 12th of February every night for I think about two weeks uh, and then I will be doing it in Melbourne as well and in Sydney so uh, look on my website alicecomedyfraser.com if you want to find dates for any of those cities and buy tickets or if you are a listener to the podcast and you want to bring like a group of people let me know and I'll figure out some sort of weird discount or free ticket thing depending on um, what management says uh, if that sounds right to you Other than that, I don't think there's anything I need to tell you. Uh, Again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy having tea with Alice. I enjoy having tea with myself. Um, Just generally, I don't record that. I just do it sometimes when I need tea. Bye. Okay, so uh, trust. Trust. Trust issues. Do we we have to introduce ourselves or anything? I'll do an introduction before. Excellent. Um, I'm saying heaps of mean stuff about you. <laughs> How do we intro this? Well, you've been on the podcast before, so people know you. Maybe I've just snuck onto enough. Yeah, that you're a you're a fan favorite. Yeah, I quite like um, popping into your podcast, like uh, like kind of those porn movies where someone comes knocking at the door and yeah, it's you like, come on. Oh, you've come in on a couple of them. And yeah, just who's this? Like, oh, it's the. Yeah. Plumber assistant. Yeah, like Kramer in the Seinfeld episode, just yeah. <laughs> wandering in. Trainees are so fetishised. I wonder why. I think it's just people don't like living their houses, so anyone who comes to your house ah, is fair game. Sex on tap kind of thing. Yeah, I think Maybe it, that's what Tinder is all yeah, about. Just just someone, I don't want to leave my house. So. But I would like someone to love me. Yeah. So a tradie, because they're in your house. Yeah, accessible. Yeah, I think if doctors made more house calls, it would be that. Pizza delivery, always a fetish. Yes. Anyone at your house, particularly if they have pizza. Yeah, yeah. Doctors do, I think, do house calls sometimes, but only if you're really old and decrepit. And yes, that's one a fetish too far for me. Yeah, that I is. Think. That's an interesting movie to make. Um, Although, you know, the boomers are getting older. Well, you can get a bulk bill doctor's 
uh, appointment to your house anytime you like after hours it is a terrifying experience because you you're just have a stranger into your yeah. house while you're weak and vulnerable yeah and sick. yeah <laughs> i did it i worked at a hotel and i got really sick one night and i couldn't leave work because i was the only person um running the hotel that night and so i had to yeah, to be there. Yeah, call the call the doctor in and call the doctor to help. You. Sit in a little hotel room while she examined me and gave me just just Panadol. Just, just gave me Panadol. some Panadol. I think no. I going back to the old people at home, doctors visiting. Like old people get all sorts of cool equipment. Like falls risks old people especially. There's yeah. all these kind of like potentially sexualizable bars and slings and yeah. slings and. There's some crossovers. You know, shower heads and different things that are like accessible. Okay. Lifestyle. Bed straps. Yeah. Yeah, you could probably, if you were one of those kind of lifestyle um, people, rig out your whole house in, like, dungeon gear and just pretend it was for an old person. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the people who do rig out their houses as dungeons aren't usually... Shy? Yeah, they're usually not shy people who are trying to... No, they tend to be people who have a fetish instead of a yeah. personality. Once you've bought a rechargeable drill, you've crossed the threshold into <laughs> from lifestyle to just life. <laughs> just you think a drill is the mark of a true fetishist? Yeah, once you get a drill and you're like putting permanent bearing, fixtures. Yeah. <laughs> and why is it always a dungeon? Why is it never a sex attic? Why is it never a sex gym? <laughs> I think that like, you know, like if you're not having a gym as a 24-hour gymnasium... You've got the after-hours use of, like, yeah. all of the bars and the things and the weight benches and the... Membership. Especially the kind of TRX frame rigging things. Yeah, you've got a door, you've got a gym. You've you got, got a door, you've got a sex dungeon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God, we, we need to tap into that market, the late-night infomercial sex yeah, dungeon. Yeah, please. <laughs> it falls right up under the bed. That... <laughs> please don't release this podcast because we're going to get rich. We're going to get so rich. I will release this podcast because we're going to talk about trust. All right. And you're you're thinking about it a lot. Yeah, letting a doctor into your house is some trust. And even just going to the doctors at all, I'm not sure I trust my doctor that she's a doctor. I've been doing some stand-up on it. I just, I can't end the relationship. Like, I go to this same doctor. It's not been very long. It's just been two and a half years of seeing this lady and, and believing that she's a doctor. And and believing that she's a good one. Yeah, yeah, which you don't know anything no. about. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, like, this is the thing. I have a friend who is a doctor now, and he's younger than me. He's, like, five years younger than yeah. me, and he's now a doctor, and he can diagnose and prescribe things. And he's an idiot. <laughs> like, I like him. He's my friend, but he's also an idiot. Yeah. So what do we... What, 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 what? Like, this is... And they're all idiots. Well, my little brother's studying medicine and i i'm enjoying it because i do like bypassing (laughs) the medical framework i do just call him up i'm like hey is my theory of why i'm not feeling well correct like could it be my blood sugar mixing with these pills that i'm taking and he's like go to a doctor i'm like no you just tell me because i refuse to yeah well also a lot of doctoring now much like a lot of lawyering now is just knowing the right places to look yeah because, you know, computers have more information than any doctor can have in their head at any time. And they're more accurate and less likely to be confused. So most doctors are just typing in a list of symptoms and yeah. checking what comes up. 
And then the kind of serendipity of the human brain might give you the edge over a computer, but not a huge amount of edge over a computer. Uh, I think they, I think they do train them a lot. They do train them a lot, but I think that is where some people get into trouble. Is they do underestimate the amount of yeah skill that a, a GP has. Yeah, look, I trust, I trust doctors. We all do, but I'm just saying maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, because doesn't say anything really about your ethics or how much were you drinking last night or like (laughs) any of those things yeah every time she googles something i think i narrow my eyes (laughs) (laughs) does she openly google is it google that she's looking on or some sort of special i don't know google i don't know it's not the same though isn't it no (laughs) if she was binging my symptoms i'd be upset (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you want a reputable search engine. If it's Wikipedia that's coming up. Yeah, I uh, I have not ever Googled my symptoms of anything. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, it's always, it's always going to give you a worst-case scenario. I used to know a doctor who was like that, who would, you'd list your symptoms and he, he'd immediately go to, like, well, it could be AIDS. He would always go to the worst case scenario and then work his way back for there. That's great. But it's probably just a common cold. So you sort of feel like you were being released from this kind of... I like that. But he never said it wasn't AIDS. He'd just say, like, it's unlikely. He'd say it could be AIDS because of this and this and this, but it could also just be chlamydia or it could be blah or it could be blah. And then he would eventually come down to could just be a cold. I like him. I would like it if I had a doctor that went, okay, we've got your blood results back. Uh, you're going to die uh, <laughs> at some point of something, but right now if you could just up your iron intake, that would really help. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had the iron intake thing, which I've never had before. I've never been anemic before, but I was Show getting off. all, like, dizzy and, like, ooh. <laughs> and I was like, maybe it's a brain disease or something. Nah, just just have some spinach. Just have some spinach. Well, I was craving spinach and seaweed at, like, alarming. Um, oh, yeah, okay. The, I would. I was gonna say voraciousness, but that's that's the right word. Yeah. Veracity. I was gonna say veracity, but that's truth, honesty, voraciousness. I think is the one. I think. Uh, trust me, it probably is that. Okay, I trust I'm qualified. You. I'm qualified. I love. I love pulling that out when I have an opinion about a word or something. I've got a degree. Yeah. Yeah. I say I have a degree. That's a. That's an issue of trust. Uh, if you just go in, <laughs> I've been doing, I've been saying it on stage, but, um, essentially if you would like an arts degree, just say that you have one because no one has ever checked mine. No one, no one's ever, checked. no job interview ever. Have they gone? Oh yeah. Let's look at the records of yeah. the University of WA. And it's not an outright lie because on the resume, I just say I studied an arts degree. I didn't, I don't write that I graduated in uh-huh. a particular year or anything, I just say education and I just, my degree that I uh, almost finished but didn't. And no one's ever... Never questioned that. Well, some like people who've got, like, really high ranks. Um, yeah. From things that, like, have get checked up, like, 20 years later and they've built their whole career on a yeah. fabric of lies. <laughs> but they've done a good job. Is the que- So that's the, like... If someone does a good job, do you have a right to be angry if then they tell you that they lied? I would say yes, because I had a, 
a, a thing with a guy and found out that he had a fiance. So even though it had been and up until that point a quite a good relationship, <laughs> uh, I did feel like uh, some somehow something had been left out of the yeah, that, initial resume not, face. Of that. Yeah, that's not really lying by omission, is it? That's... No, because I ne- well, you know, I never did ask. Said, <laughs> yeah, it's your fault, you Alice. Know, uh, how many siblings do you have and do you have a fiancé? Yeah, I feel never, like you should always check now. I just assumed that because he was uh, pursuing me in a romantic way that he didn't have a... But that was just my assumption, right? Yeah, it's all your fault. It's all my fault. You should, <laughs> you should check these things. Yeah. <laughs> it should be a questionnaire, really. A questionnaire, do you have a fiancé? Yeah, trust is a weird one like that because people um, people assume that you you don't trust people all the time, but mm. you do because you people be like, oh yeah, I don't trust anyone. You're like, no, no, of course you do. Like, you leave your house. If you didn't trust anyone, you wouldn't leave the house. Yeah, you're trusting people not to hit you in the car. Yeah, not to go on stabbing murder sprees. Yeah. Uh, Admittedly, I don't always trust that one. Well, you trust him enough to yeah. go out and you like you might be a little bit wary eyed, but there's a <laughs> level of trust. It's the kind of level of trust where you both put your knife down on yeah. the table, but you're kind of staring at each other a bit squeegee. Yeah, you go, you go to the doctors, you go to the dentist, you eat like, food at cafes. Yeah, you going to the dentist, lying back, closing your mouth, opening, like closing your eyes, opening your mouth. Yeah. And, and letting someone yeah. put a drill in your teeth. Yes, a lot of trust there. It's a lot of trust. You don't know that they're not going to install a sex dungeon in your teeth. <laughs> Just a little tiny one. I think, yeah, that's a that's true. You do trust a lot of people. Maybe you shouldn't trust them all. But, I mean, I've got so far in my life pretty well. I've trusted lots of things. Yeah. The structural integrity of buildings, people's yep. architecture's degrees. Oh, man. I've met architects before. They're, I mean, in, in university, engineers are horrible. They drink all the time. They've got this weird <laughs> machismo culture of, like, self-aggrandizement, which is probably not the best thing to, like, funnel into bridge building. No, I think it is. You think that's the Yeah, thing? let's build a fucking great bridge. Oh, fuck, look how big my cock is. I mean, bridge. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But it, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. That is true. I would like, I would feel safe in a skyscraper that was a replacement for somebody's cock. Yeah, 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 because they're, they're making sure that the blood flows all good <laughs> yeah. and seminal vesicles in the right place. Yeah, that's a, that's a good skyscraper. And what about, like, um, I feel like maybe you'll have the same problem. Uh, I trust people when I meet them fairly arbitrarily just as a as a pretty much a guarantee unless there's a real reason why I wouldn't and I do tell people and on stage and stuff I reveal a lot about myself all the time yeah it feels odd it feels odd to have a crowd know all my secrets yeah yeah I think that's that's something that I went through because I was very secretive as a <laughs> teenager uh, partly because I didn't want the people at my school to know about my mum and for some reason Fair enough. Uh, maybe because they weren't really worthy of trust I mm-hmm. went into a girls school and so there was this kind of economy of gossip women and I didn't want well there's sort of some toxic things that build up in those places or that can build up there were other years that were really good but my year was a bit of a one of those fighty years bitches thing um, and so I didn't really want to feed information into yeah. that into that economy of gossip. So I had uh, 
to extend this metaphor, I had no money in that economy. Like I had no, I was, I was a poverty stricken person. So yes. I had no status there. And so I just didn't tell anyone anything for ages. And then I went in the opposite direction when I got to uni. I was maybe an oversharer. <laughs> well, and that's I, fun. <laughs> yeah, so I'd just tell people. My, and my, my policy was less that it wasn't particularly trusting. It was like, well, if I tell them everything, then there's nothing they can use as a weapon against me. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's quite a lot how I feel. Um, I worked out quite quite a few years ago... You have, I used to have such high anxiety and then I worked out that you could deploy honesty as a weapon. Mm. Um, just as a, like, a complete... <laughs> There's situations where people will be uncomfortable or yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. If you learn to metabolise that feeling and thrive in it, mm. then you can... Calling out discomfort is a yeah. way of, of preventing it in a way. Yeah, and not just that, like, oh, well, this is awkward yeah. kind of thing, but to go, okay, well, I can see that you're behaving in this way towards me and this, and everyone goes, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right. None of that was pleasant, but I've learned, I've learned how to, yeah, metabolise it a bit easier. Yeah, and it also, I mean, I've always been a big believer if you if you can put words to something then it you have no power over me <laughs> uh, to call back david bowie um but that yeah that if you if you can articulate something well not that it doesn't have any power over you but that it has less power over you yes if you can catch it and lock it into a, a word cage yeah and i look quite i'm really fascinated with that level of vulnerability and power in a juxtaposition like and this is this is exact like I like nudity <laughs> as a position of power because mm. it shouldn't be you should take your clothes off and be very vulnerable but if you can take them off and then just be like oh well yes hello yeah <laughs> then you're a Superhuman. Yeah. Like, if you can make eye contact and shake hands and do a business meeting in the nude, you are, you are all powerful. It's the human equivalent of that dog thing of turning your back on your enemy because yeah. you know that you're in charge. Like you, you yeah. can take the position of non-dominance because you know you're the strongest one in the room. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm so strong that I don't need any of the armour that normally people wear to hide themselves from themselves and other people. Yeah, I really... I really am fascinated by that. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I like that. And and even just little like little society um, <laughs> uh, like vignettes of miniature nudity experience. Just to you know go to the beach and wear bathers rather than some sort of weird bodysuit thing yeah. <laughs> with, you know, NASA technology to make you look an inch smaller than you are. Um, yeah, to just go, oh, yes, well. Like a man. If you go to a beach, you see, like, an old, fat, hairy man in Speedos with all the confidence of the world because nobody has ever told them that that is not okay. Yeah, and the, the thing is that it is okay. Yeah. And it should be okay for everyone. That's <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like that. I think the kind of miniature nudities are an interesting one of just maybe like even things like putting your phone away on a bus, mm. just looking at people. Oh, yeah. 
Because there's such a defense mechanism having the phone up. Yeah, and I find it fascinating because I would say that I look nice. I yes. look like a nice person who won't hurt you. And when I walk past somebody on the street and they like <laughs> accidentally look up and accidentally make eye contact with me and I smile and they look fucking terrified yeah. and they dodge my gaze and then scurry past... I can't breathe in that situation because I'm like, how did I just scare you? Like, yeah. how did... Yeah, that's also a level of trust as well. Yeah. Of like, tr- trust me not... Like, I trust you not to see me as a threat. Yeah. Because if you see me as a threat, not only is your, like, perception heaps off and that makes you untrustworthy, uh, but also then I... Like, how do you come back from that position of being seen as a threat? And how do we come back from the society we've built... Where if you smile at a stranger, they freak out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I can't smile at you until I've seen your Yelp rating. What are you... <laughs> like, I don't know. Are you five stars? Conversation's going to be great? We don't have to talk. You're just walking past me, buddy, and I just acknowledge that you exist, and you had forgotten that you existed for a minute, and I reminded you, and then you freaked out. Yeah, it's okay. It's not that bad. Well, maybe it is, but you should deal with it if it is. Yeah. That's the other thing. I think that if America didn't have smartphones, there would have been a revolution by now. Yeah. Just because it's easy to forget how bad things are if you've got Wi-Fi. Yeah. You can just bury yourself in other people's stories and... Yeah, what do you mean? Like, have you... Like, if you've ever raised your voice on public transport, Mm. the whole... I'll get on a tram and someone will have their bag on a seat that I want to sit on. Yeah. And... Everybody around is standing rather than ask this person to to move their backpack. And I go, hey, man, sorry, gesture, sit down. And then the carriage will look at you like you're some sort of hero, some sort of backpack avenger (laughs) for just Well, the chances are that they haven't even noticed that that people are standing around. They're just, you know, engaged in their book or their newspaper or... Their own thoughts. And even if they're being a jerk, well, most people won't be a jerk in the face of somebody politely saying they'll be a jerk by not removing it. Jerk by omission. Yeah, because they don't expect anyone to ask. Yeah, and maybe it is you're trusting them not to be a psychopath when you ask them to move their bag. if they want to be, that's okay. I'll continue with my day. Yeah, but I mean, you're trusting them not to stab you. I doubt that. Yeah, I really do trust most people not to stab me for asking me. Asking normal questions. Asking questions about backpacks. That's that's a lot of stabbing for... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more stabbing that happens in people's heads than happens in, <laughs> in real life, I think. <laughs> Which is why I insist on walking around late at night. Yeah. Because I am reducing the threat statistic. Yeah. Just by being around and not stabbing anyone, I'm making yeah. the streets safer. Yes. It's a good thing. Oh, man. Yeah, and it just shows, like, this massive lack of trust that we have just publicly of not not speaking to people on the street and not asking people to move a backpack and not, like, why not? Why not, yeah. I think people don't trust themselves because I think that, that comes down to most of um, confidence and things, like, the... The reason that I uh, at least appear confident is because, not because I trust other people 
not to uh, harm me in any way. Um, but I trust myself to deal with it. Yeah. I'm not... Yeah, I don't... Maybe I don't trust you, but I trust myself to, you know, if you make fun of me or if you tell me, fuck off, I'm not moving my backpack, can't, then I'm like, probably oh. going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas I think maybe that's that where... fear of rejection is, yeah. is not the fear of the rejection, it's the fear of your inability to deal with the rejection. Yes. It's not that I don't trust you not to reject me, it's that I trust myself to deal with it if you do. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe it sounds very pious, but I'm just... And I think stand-up has done that because it's just public rejection after public rejection after public rejection for decades. Yeah. And after a while, you know, the threat of somebody giving you a mean look for asking them to move a backpack is minimal. It's pretty diminished. Yeah, if you've had people in a crowd be like, boo. <laughs> yeah, I have had that. <laughs> really? I've yeah. Never, I've never had boos. I've just had, I've had heckles. No, you haven't had like... enough cricket clubs. No, I don't. I don't think I've done any cricket clubs. I've done some uh, f- f- RSLs and football clubs yes. and that kind of thing, um, but I've never done a cricket club. Are they worse? Ah, oh, it was just an example, but yeah, sportsmen clubs. Yeah, sportsmen clubs. Yeah, I got booed before I reached the microphone once. That's good. It felt less personal, at least, <laughs> and more personal. Less and more, more about your person than about your comedy, even. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I had to keep performing to get my 150 bucks. And so I think the rest of that gig, I turned my back on the crowd mm. and kept performing out the window. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I would have been quite young. I would have been 20. Yeah. And at that point, I just went, well, fuck you. <laughs> Turn my back. And aimed all my stuff out the window. That's nice. To the world. John Hastings is really good. He's a Canadian comedian who's based in London at the moment. And he's, he's excellent. He's, he's very good at just like he'll just sit on the side of the stage or turn his back on the audience yeah. or walk backstage and that kind of casualness makes people trust him. He did one of the best interviews we've had on Community Kitchen. Just lovely guy to chat to. And yeah, you can tell there's just that nice, relaxed... Oh, well. Yeah, and it is that, again, that dog thing of he just turns his back on the audience because yeah. he's not afraid of them. And it's such yeah. a such a good thing. I think it makes a crowd feel good. I think that's why I get away with a lot of what I can get away with on stage is because the audience doesn't feel dangerous to, to you. Well, they yeah, don't from their perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like think... we were saying, it's offensive if somebody sees you as a yeah. threat because you're like, I'm not a threat. And I think when when you hear people say that they don't like going to see stand-up and you go, why? You're a lovely, smart, like aware, funny person with a sense of humour. Why do you not like, like stand-up? And not that everybody has to like it, but when you meet someone who you think, oh, well, of course you will like yeah. comedy. Yeah. Who doesn't like laughing? You're like, no, I don't like it. What that is, it's... It's those very empathetic people. Who don't like bad comedy or they don't like watching people fail. <clears throat> or, yeah, they, they don't like watching a comedian go, oh, oh, bah, 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 oh, and then they feel guilty for not giving them the response that they see the person asking for. My brother, my brother is one of those people. Yeah. And he hates it. And I feel like that's probably accurate if the comedy that you've seen is a particular kind of comedy. Um, 
in a particular kind of room. But nowadays there's so many different kinds of yeah. comedy that saying I don't like comedy is saying I don't like music. Yeah, exactly. And no one, like, presumably, other than sociopaths, nobody ever says I don't like music. I have been in situations where I don't want to listen to music. Totally fair. Because, like, for the whole, actually, up until... Elevators. Up until now, almost the whole year after mum died, I couldn't listen to any music because it would just make me cry. Mm -hmm. Because music is a powerful thing. Yes. It almost, it wouldn't matter what kind of music it was. Did you try metal? No. You should have tried metal. I should have tried metal. I have a couple of medley songs, but again, I just couldn't, couldn't do it. And I would understand that of like, I don't want to go see comedy because actually I don't want to have my ideas challenged Mm -hmm. or I don't want to laugh or I don't feel in the mood for comedy. But there's just so many Well, I've seen a lot of really shit comedy, in which case I'm sorry that happened to you. Please try again. Try again. Look look on YouTube so that you can click away and then find a a genre that you like. I think maybe we should do an online catalogue of different kinds of comedy. And, and kind of a Venn diagram of links of people who are like other people. I do feel a, a sense of apologeticness, if that's a word, when people look at my face and assume... That your comedy is going to be a certain way? Assume a style, and yeah. then I definitely do not uh, fit that. I get th- I've got that from other comedians and I find that a little bit offensive. It is offensive. Because for the first couple of years no comedians came and saw my shows. Yes. They weren't they didn't know what I was and they weren't interested in it off the bat. And so like particularly in Melbourne because I didn't do gigs mm. here before I did a show no one would come and see my show. And then when people came and saw my show they were like that is not what I expected. <laughs> and I feel well I don't know, like, you yeah, expected not... wrong, that's not my fault that you had Is it wrong... though? Because, and if it's but your fault, it's my... my fault. I don't know what the face of my kind of comedy would look like. What would it look, what would, what would the kind of comedy that I do look like if it weren't my face delivering it? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Because I think of it as very much me and my style of thinking and... I think that's why I put a sheet over my head last year. <laughs> And it was my most successful show because nobody has any expectations of a ghost. Well, you look like a mischievous elf. <laughs> Thank you. In like just if I see you in the street, uh, that's what you look like. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You look sort of happy. I always and thought I looked like a baker. Like I would own some sort of gingerbread bakery. Maybe a, maybe a bread fairy. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not limiting your choices here. Uh, I think yeah. You just sort of look. People do trust me in the street. I get a lot of valuables handed to me to be held, including babies and things. I'm just like, oh, no, I have to look for my keys in my bag. Here, hold my baby. Hold my baby. <laughs> that is a good... You should have gone into, like, baby stealing. <laughs> yeah, I should have. The, the illegal baby trade, that would have been a good misuse of my face, I think. Not almost as good a misuse of your face as the kind of comedy that you do. Yeah, it is a misuse of my face. But yeah, I was asking a friend for, for um, promotion purposes, I think. Uh, I was actually, no, I was trying to put together a pitch for a documentary that is definitely not going to get funded. And I text messaged my friend in England and I said, he's a director, so he's seen lots of comedy. And I said, who's doing what I'm doing in England at the moment? 
who's doing the kind of thing that I'm doing? And he was like, I don't think there's anyone doing mm. what you're doing. But I could name a couple in Australia who I would call sort of the same genre. Mm. That you know that you're going to go see their show and it's not just going to be jokes. Yes. With like some hammy kind of moral <laughs> of the story thrust in at the three-quarter mark. But, yeah. The good old three-quarter mark. You, you've been party to my idea that we should have a name for this school of comedy. Nice. I feel like it's, it's separatism. No, but this is what you... I mean, this is the thing about music. I'm like against if, if it. We're, if we're comparing music to comedy... Yeah. I know that you want to go. We want everyone to walk into every show with a completely open mind. That is not going to happen. Mm. That's not how it works, right? So you then, if that's not going to work, then what you are left with is the kind of clumsy categorizations that people have now, which is, oh, you're a woman, I'm not going to like it, or oh, you look like a goth person, I probably would like that. <laughs> but you want like metal and you should goth up, Alice. You reckon that's the face of the kind of I comedy that I do? Be the Madonna mm-hmm. <laughs> and just change your image. Every six months. Changing. Yeah, well, I change my clothes every three months. Yeah, there you go. So I like your seasonal. My seasonal decision just to wear the same thing every day <laughs> for that season. But what about the people who get the opposite problem? To be uh, fair, you are undermining that resolution by giving me clothes. Yeah, I'm helping. Um, what about the people who have the opposite problem? You know, people who look terrifying and grumpy. And they're the loveliest, and they're like, why won't people, why do people cross the street? And they have to live with the knowledge that if they're walking down the street, people cross the road, even though they're lovely. The, well, I mean, it's sort of, dep- some people, I think, are a bit disingenuous with that. Like, okay. They've got, like, piercings and a mohawk and a blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, they want it, they're asking for it. And then they're just lovely when you talk to them. And they're like, hey, why, doesn't, why don't people just give me a chance? And I'm yes. like, because you've put the equivalent of human barbed wire around the face. <laughs> like, people are worried that you might conduct electricity at them while they speak, you know. But, yeah, there are some people who just have unfortunate faces. Yeah. Untrustworthy faces, if you Yeah, will. shifty eyes. Shifty eyes. Yeah, and maybe they're not, you know, maybe they just have bad peripheral vision and have to keep looking from side to side. <laughs> to make sure that they don't hit anything. Well, they got swooped by too many magpies, so they have to have a big mohawk to keep them away. Do you think a mohawk would attract magpies? No, or? I think it would scare them. Like Especially the big eyes. Mm, yeah. Big eyes on each side of your mohawk. Yeah, definitely. Scare birds. Yeah. I always think that people who have like really extreme styling choices are probably quite scared <clears throat> of being misunderstood. Yes. It's not like, I'm a person, I'm going to be a person, and people will understand what kind of person I am. They're like, they have to do it all really loudly. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of, and I'm sure there's middle ground, but there's a couple of um, ways it can swing. You either have people where an extreme styling choice is just the most logical and natural uh, extrapolation of their personality, and it comes out completely by... Uh, mm. <laughs> just, it just grows out of them yeah uh, oh if i hadn't had a very normal brother with normal friends i would be like full steampunk by now okay because that's the a- aesthetic that kind of draws me okay and that was as a teen what i was sort of interested in but then you have the people who i feel use and i mean it's everybody everybody uses like w- what they wear and how they dress as a kind of shorthand for um communicating themselves 
But then you get the extreme styling choices and some part of me mistrusts that as if you can't tell me the type of like why is it important for me to see you in this way what is that tie-dyed waistcoat there instead of yeah yeah. often yeah large segments of well-developed human uh replaced by large segments of well-tailored clothes (laughs) on every end of the spectrum as well it doesn't have to be weird and bizarre some people have like a hugo boss suit so that they don't need to have ideas yeah, why do you have a purple fedora? What, what is that communicating? What is it, it helps me with my salsa dancing. <laughs> What's there? Which is the only way I'm allowed to touch women. Oh, man. Man, I did, I very briefly dipped into the seamy world of salsa dancing. And there no! Were, there, I mean, when I was in like, what, was 21, 22, and uh, sort of decided to do it with my friend Scott and... There are 50% just lovely human beings, and then there are just a few people who <laughs> whoa, feel the rhythm of the music kind no. of whoa, aggressive. Uh, yeah, you, they're not just touching you because the dance requires it. They're, they're doing the dance because they want to touch yeah, you. Yeah, no, I'm more a fan of the Macarena, to be honest. Just by yourself. Just on your own, facing a corner. And, it, and you never have your back turned to anybody. <laughs> Um, uh, thank you. I, I think I have to go to my gig. But, All right. But um, thank you for coming and trying out my nice new rug with me. This will go up this evening. So if there's uh, gigs that you want people to come to. Uh, if you're in Perth, I'm doing Fringe Worlds. Uh, I open on Friday night with Ghost Machine. Uh, if you're in Brisbane, then I'll be up there in uh, early March. And then if you're in Melbourne, you can just find me at any, any old run-of-the-mill club gig over the next few weeks. But, um, yeah, Twitter and Facebook and all of that nonsense. Look up uh, Laura Davis Comic on Twitter and uh, emoji cartoons. Yeah, emoji cartoons are all up on my um, f- public Facebook page. Cool. Um, all right, I'll see you soon. Thank you.